Welcome to Change the Narrative. I'm your host, J.D. Fuller, an African-American, licensed psychotherapist, professor, diversity coach, consultant, and author. We talk about the isms. We talk about the phobias, anything that marginalizes and oppresses. Everything we are not and everything we are is because of fear. Through a mental health lens, we'll have difficult conversations with celebrity guests, political activists, and everyone in between. Our mind will tell us whatever we want to believe, but the truth lives in the body, and that's where change occurs. Are you ready to change the narrative? Today, we welcome Andre White Jr. Andre is 27 years old with roots in Cleveland, Ohio, and Charlotte, North Carolina. He is an educator, a voiceover actor, marketer, content creator, anti-racist, and host of the podcast, Redacted History. Andre is active on social media using his personal experiences, creativity, and extensive knowledge of history to engage his audience under the handle Blackout. He's a wealth of knowledge and creativity. We cannot wait to learn more about Andre White Jr. Welcome to CTN with J.D. Fuller. Hi, Andre. Hey, how are you? I'm very, very well. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really, really appreciate it. It's so great to meet you in person, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of, kind of. And thank you for having me as well. I, I like doing podcasts. I wish I could do more. <laughs> well, I love the idea of it. And I know that you're so busy. So just thanks again. Mm-hmm. No, uh, I appreciate it. No problem. Let's cover something in your background, though, because you said that mm-hmm. you have roots in Cleveland, Ohio, Charlotte, and NC, North Carolina. T- talk about yeah, that. Charlotte, you have so- it's, it's weird because I feel so. I was born in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina when I was 10. Me, my mother, my father, and my younger brother. Uh, the reason we moved from Cleveland to Charlotte, and I didn't understand it at the time, um, and I definitely understand it more so now as an adult, is because there weren't a lot of it's not a lot of opportunities for like marginalized people in Cleveland, Ohio, North, Northeast Ohio. If you go back now, the city is so much worse than it was. I'm 27. We moved here when I was 10. The city is so much worse than it was 20 years ago. And my mother really wanted to be a teacher, but they're so, all they do is lay teachers off in the public school system in Cleveland. So we ended up moving to North Carolina um, just for a better opportunity for uh, our family and just as us as black boys growing up, because who, who would have known what would have happened you know, to us, what path we went down had we stayed there growing up and just going back now as an adult and just seeing how the city is just so like the inner city is just so like just torn up the streets, the school systems. I would love to be afforded the opportunity somehow, some way, somehow to go back and just give back to just like all the black kids in Cleveland one day, because it's really saddening going back and seeing that uh, as an adult, okay. just see how like no one really cares about like the inner city. But yeah, so a lot of my family lives in North Carolina. A lot of my family lives in Cleveland. So I don't really know what to tell people when I when they ask like, where am I from? So I just say I'm from both. Mm -hmm. I got roots in both. I got like half my family there, half my family's here. So but been a Carolina boy for the last 20 years, pretty much. So that's interesting because when I saw Charlotte, I was like, okay, Charlotte and all over North Carolina. So Charlotte, North Carolina. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Charlotte, North Carolina. Yep, exactly. I thought you'd traveled all throughout the state. I was like, wait. This is interesting, though, because you make such an excellent point about Cleveland, Ohio. It's heartbreaking. When you go into some of these urban areas and you see how the city has neglected its own, it's heartbreaking. So I can I can appreciate you imagining what your life could have been like had your parents not had the foresight to move somewhere where the whole family had more opportunity. So respect to them. Most most definitely. And I truly I truly thank my parents now Mm because. 
I, I always ask because I look back at like my cousins and whatnot that's, that grew up there and still live there. And I can tell just the difference in opportunities that were presented to them and that were presented to me just by way of the circumstances that we grew up in. It's real, real, real sad, but you know, life, that that's life. That's the experience of a lot of black kids in America. So. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. It is. So the other thing is that you said you finished up your undergrad in North Carolina mm-hmm. and then decided to break into the voiceover and audio industry. What was the catalyst mm-hmm. and how did you make that happen? Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> it's so hard telling people about like how I got into voiceover uh, because it wasn't supposed to happen at all. I felt like it's just like divine intervention and life is just weird the way it works. I ended up going to the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. So like it's like okay. in, in North Carolina, North Carolina is like a college state for real. Like there's probably like a yeah. hundred colleges and then we have something called the UNC system. So everybody knows about like the UNC Tar Heels, like University of North Carolina. Yeah, I right. went to a this. Everybody knows about that. No one knows about the school that I went to. That I went to the sister school of that school. Okay, and it's like it's like four sister schools of the Tar Heels, and we're like the little oh, brother. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah, everybody knows about Tar Heels national stage yeah. in the NCAA tournament every year. I went yeah. to UNC Greensboro, so. I went to University of North Carolina Greensboro. It's about an hour away from Chapel Hill. My girlfriend actually graduated from University of North Carolina um, with the Tar Heels. But I ended up going to UNCG. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. Thought I was, I had, you know, ball was life in high school. I had hoop dreams. Thought I was going to the NBA. I was not. So I ended up applying to UNCG at like the last minute in high school. Uh, it's It's actually not even a PWI or an HBCU. It's now classified as an MSI, which is a minority servant institution. Um, so a lot of black, okay. brown, indigenous people, um, people who are coming from other countries as well, foreign exchange students. Uh, so it was a, it was like it's a melting pot. Great experience. Um, I was an orientation leader at UNCG. And basically that job was just me spending two summers going into my sophomore year and going to my junior year where I was just that happy, giddy, annoying person. <laughs> welcoming you to campus as an incoming freshman. And so the director of the program would always throw me on stage to welcome everybody. Andre, you have such a nice voice. You have a nice voice. Come on stage uh, and, and tell the parents, oh, it'll be five minutes. They just, she just wanted me on stage as a welcoming voice. And I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. And so the summer before my senior year, 2016, uh, she had me come in and do a voiceover on my phone for the incoming freshman class of, I guess, was that 2021 or something like that? And she paid me $20. And I said, oh, that's pretty cool. I can get paid to use my voice. And I was a communications major. And I said, okay, well, technically, if I try to go into that, I'll be using my college degree in a sense. So I just spent from 2016 until 2019. 2019 is when I started doing voiceover full time. And I just spent those years just networking, meeting people, investing in the industry, buying microphones, buying, you know, just real trial and error because the voiceover industry is very ambiguous and there's not enough black people in the industry whatsoever. So I didn't have like, at when I was first starting, I didn't have like a voiceover OG I could go and talk to and like really yeah, get no. some information. It was just trial and error. And so now I'm in a space where I know what I'm doing. I'm actually consistently working in voiceover and whatnot. I've probably done about maybe 300 voiceovers in like the last four years, just working with companies from all over the world, all over the nation, small things, big things, medium-sized things, 
And so mm-hmm. I'm still learning. Um, the goal for me with voiceover is really to just, you know, down the road, get to a point where I can get black people more so into the industry and and like get in, into the industry in an accessible way because it is very expensive to be competitive in voiceover. Not a lot of people know that to like be industry standard. Like if you turn on your TV right now and see a commercial for like DraftKings or McDonald's or whatever, you're that that person is in a booth that costs thousands of dollars. Most likely they're using a microphone that costs a whole bunch of money. And that's not accessible to a lot of us. Like, you know, so and I think that's where a lot of people meet that like roadblock when trying to get into it. So that's definitely a goal of mine you know, down the road is just to like get more people that look like me into the industry and let people know that it's possible, you know? I think that's amazing, but I got to go back to something to go forward. First of all, if the university is focusing on brown and black people, how are they going to call that the minority (laughs) focus? We are the global majority. Well, so it's it's weird because the majority at the university is still white people, but it's not as... Yeah, it's the but it's the numbers are slowly but surely meeting in the Got middle. It. And you can see that, that when you go on campus. You can see that when you look at the Greek life, the the divine nine presence on campus is very strong. The so you you can def, you can see it, but you're still gonna see the white influence on campus in terms of the decisions that are made for the university, what type of events the university throws. Like you can still you go when you walk across campus, you'll see the black and brown influence. But the decisions that are being made for the campus, you'll still see the white influence. I think I think the using the word minority is such a political strategy. Um, yeah, most definitely. To keep people in their place. Yeah, you know, to not see the power of numbers. Um, mm-hmm. That's why I was curious about that. Now, moving forward, um, you know, you're absolutely right about accessibility. I've been told my whole life, oh, your voice is so strong. You should be in voiceover and would never even have imagined at your age it was even an option or how to do it. So I love the fact that you want to reach back and help people figure out how to have access to something that seems particularly exclusive, really, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Very exclusive. Yeah, that's amazing. Very, very. So, you know, as we said in the intro, you have a number of areas in which you focus. What Mm -hmm. is your passion and how did you figure that out? I I mean, my passion has always been at the, I think at the crux of like who I am, my passion has always been just really talking and relating to people. And I feel like my passion was born out of me not knowing like who I was. And I feel like as I become like, like walk more into like who I am as like, as a person, a black man, all that good stuff. I really understand like, like what my, like what my strengths are. And so I feel like that's where I found my passion. I mean, we talk about like the words like intersectionality and things of that nature. I feel like the intersectionality is like of like my personality and who I am as a person kind of it's like where my passions lie, like voiceover, talking to people, communicating. And then I feel like that's where like the weaving of like social justice and whatnot, because those are such important topics, not only to well, they should be important to people, but important to me, social justice, anti-racism, things of that nature. And I feel like using my talents, that's where it all bridges together, because I found that like just through, you know, content creation, social media, I found that people are going to listen to someone they want to listen to. And so I said, okay, well, you know, I'm people clearly like my voice, like it's my profession. I know that I'm good at that. I know that I'm good at communicating. Now, let me take, you know, I'm 
what I'm like super passionate about, you know, social justice and all that stuff and just weave it all together. And I feel like it's like a melting pot of just like greatness sometimes. Like I look back and I'm like, wow, that was that was really good how you did that. And and I just feel like my passion is just at, are at like at the, the embodiment of it. It's just like what I think is important to me and what should be important to other people. And I just weave in what I'm good at, at, at how to like make it, how to utilize it in a sense, if that makes sense. I don't know if that makes sense. Oh my God, that, <laughs> please. That that was like poetic. <laughs> I'm not even boasting you. That was like poetic. This of who you are as a black body, as a professional and integrating that and weaving that in, into the importance of social justice, you make it highly relational. And so yeah. um, the power comes through you know, based on the relationship that you have created. I think mm-hmm. that's incredible. That's so smart. Yeah. Congratulations. I appreciate it. It's working for you. I appreciate it. It's working yeah. for you. Yeah. Oh, it's working for you. Trust me. I, I do a lot of watching. Um, okay. So I just, I just want to say this and then I want to have a, have a question. I mm-hmm. think your voice is so mature and distinctive and yet it's so familiar. It mm-hmm. feels like I knew you before I knew you and your bio says, you know, and yet it's so different, like indistinctive. So your bio says your voice has been described as versatile, engaging, friendly, conversational, relatable, and calming. All of those, I, I, I concur. Let's just say that. Have you always had such a fullness and flexibility to your voice or is it something that's evolved over time? I don't know. To be honest, like I didn't realize what my voice sounded like until somebody pointed it out to me in college. Like I was never the voice guy. Like I I never was. Like growing up, everybody knew me as Andre. He's kind of quirky. He's going to make you laugh probably. And, you know, he's tall. He's a basketball player. No one ever like distinguished me as the voice guy. It wasn't until the middle of college where somebody that, you know, my director for the orientation staff, Dr. Kim Sims Peoples, she was the first person that genuinely said, hey, Andre, get on stage. You need to talk. Yeah, and it's crazy because me and her had a terrible relationship. If, if, you, if you emailed her right now and said, what do you think about Andre White? Might not say many good things because the orientation staff, we were like the face of the university and that, that's like code for palatable, right? And I'm not a palatable, I'm not a palatable person. I'll be the first person to tell you that I'm really? not like, I'm, I'm just, I'm just not, that's not who I am. And she hated that. Right. So it's just ironic as the person who I just, like my boss who I butted heads with so much was the person who was the first person to say, Andre, you need to talk. You have a good voice. And then it's like, I guess she just, once she like opened my eyes to it and I started using it more and like using that to my advantage, I think that's when other people started to notice and I think age as well. I think it kind of peaked in my mid twenties ish. But yeah, she was the first person. I was never known as the voice person at all. That brings me to what I always say, which is all it takes is one person. All it takes mm-hmm. is one person to see who you are, potential, what what Absolutely. you have to bring to the table. And it probably much to her dismay, she saw it in you and she knew and reflected mm-hmm. that to you. And that's pretty incredible. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Ironically, I thank her. (laughs) That's great. Will you give a couple of the voiceovers that you've done? Will you give an example of a a couple that you've done? An example? Yeah, like anything that you've done that people might know. Uh, late. I mean, if you're in Walmart right now. Okay, there you go. 
that you'll probably hear. It's like random, like, and you might not hear it because no one listens to the intercom at Walmart. It's on all the time. And you're no, you're not listening to it. They're talking. I, do, I have some voiceovers at Walmart right now that are talking about tire discounts at like the Walmart tire okay. center. Okay. Um, you did something uh, for Disney, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, yes, I did. So there are some Spotify ads right now. So if you're listening to podcasts on Spotify or Apple podcasts, so you'll hear like okay, some cool. uh, something for like Disney Plus, something for Paramount Plus, Disney Plus, BET Plus. It's like everybody has a plus now. <laughs> and then there's a commercial running right now for something called a nuzzle pillow. It's like a really like industrialized pillow. Those are the few off the top of my okay. head that I know that are running right now. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I just want people to click in when they hear it and know, hey, I've heard that voice yeah. and now I know who it is. Uh, let's just focus and talk about your podcast. Redacted mm-hmm. History. Talk about mm-hmm. the project and how it came to fruition, would you? The, the podcast is probably the thing that I'm doing in life that I'm probably the most proud of right now. It's all, it all kind of stems back to TikTok. And it's crazy to think that it's basically October 2022 right now. And two years ago, I was not even on like TikTok like that at all. But once I started, I started creating seriously on TikTok around uh, I guess about March 2021, uh, that's when I had like my first video where like people were like, oh, okay, this is nice. This is cool. And so I just started around that time is like when, you know, the pandemic was still like super full force. And I think people were having a lot of conversations about social justice. And I love talking about like social justice and equities, all that good stuff all the time. And so I said, I'm just going to talk about it on TikTok. And people started listening more and more and more. And then around, I think, September of last year, 2021, uh, people were like, hey, you, you should start a podcast. Want to see you on a podcast? And I said, oh, OK, maybe uh, because I'm type of person. I have like really bad anxiety when it comes to creating stuff. And I just get in my head. Okay. I'm like, what if nobody listens to it? Oh, my God, I'm going to be a failure. And so mm-hmm. it took me from September 2021 until February 2022 to get out of my own head. I was literally in my own head for like five months, six months. And so I knew I wanted, I knew I I knew what I wanted to talk about. I knew I wanted to tell stories of people who just don't get their stories told because I'm a big podcast listener. And like when I see like history podcasts and like true crime podcasts, and they're always talking about like World War II. And like, as you can see, like the big news to talk. Yeah, the talk of the town right now, Jeffrey Dahmer, like, who cares? Like, he's gotten like 10 documentaries at this point. And so I said, well, I want to talk about stuff that no one's talking about, like, and put a spin on it in a sense, like going back to like really like using my skills, like as a voice actor and a communicator, like telling something in a cinematic way that will make people want to listen. So like, even if I'm talking about Martin Luther King Jr., somebody that we all know who he is, right? We know on the surface, I have a dream speech, uh, Montgomery bus boycott, all that good stuff. But what about like the intricacies and the inner workings of his life that no one knows? Stuff like that. And so I finally started it in February and me and my girlfriend were just talking and like spitballing names back and forth to each other. And we came up with the phrase redacted history in a sense, like something like redacted means to censor or obscure. And I feel like that fits everything that that fits like the true essence of what it means to tell black or indigenous or taboo history right now, because what do we have when all these conversations about Florida governor wants to ban critical race theory, Texas governor, like you can make like the right white person turn into dust right now. If you tell them that the civil war was started over slavery, like the Confederate flag is racist. 
little things that people don't want to talk about, but I'm going to talk about it. And I found that once I started it, I, I hit post on the first episode and had a heart attack because I was like, wow, I really did this. And the yeah. feedback on it, the feedback on it has just been overwhelming. So much positive feedback. It like people are just reaching out to me, telling me, hey, I, I listen to the podcast with my children. Like, I want them to hear this. And so wow. I was like, OK, cool. Well, I know I can never curse now. So you got to keep it family friendly <laughs> and clean for the children. But people and it it's awesome because the most positive feedback that I get on it is from white people. But like and the stories and the stories that I'm telling, I want it to be family friendly, but still very raw at the same time. Like, uh, like the story of like Mary Bowser, the slave who was a spy for the Union Army, Josephine Baker, Henry Johnson, uh, the Harlem Hellfighters. And then also deeper stuff like the Tulsa Race Massacre, the Rosewood Massacre, but all that like really jarring stuff. Marsha P. Johnson and the Pride Movement, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the 60s and 70s and 80s, just stuff that. People, if I was to like present this my podcast as a curriculum to a school board, I'd be walked out in handcuffs. Um, oh, that's but, <laughs> right. And so it's just it's we've done maybe about fourteen episodes right now. We're quickly approaching probably this time next month. We'll be at a hundred thousand streams. Wow, um, fourteen episodes, and you know it's can't say enough about just how proud I am of podcast and just of myself for, you know, taking the leap and, you know, doing something that not only I'm proud of, but doing something that not only is adds value to people, but is evergreen, it's evergreen content in the sense that you could go back and listen. Like people tell me, hey, I'm listening to this episode, but I just went back and listened to all 15 and they could do that again wow. next week and still get something different out of it because these stories are never going to die. They're never going to be less impactful or less informative or less valuable. Like if I was like a sports podcast, like right. this game is only going to happen, but so many times, you know? So exactly. yeah, I'm just, I'm, I can't say enough. I could ramble on and on and on about just how proud I am of it. And just the ideas that I have going forward for it. And we're here at episode 14. I can't imagine where we'll be at episode 114. So amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. I'm happy you're proud I of appreciate- yourself. It's yeah. so important. What you're doing is very important. You know, you, I love the way you describe it. And I just want to share that before we wrap up here with a couple more questions. You yep. describe it as, and these, this, these are your words, a show where we can have real unfiltered conversations about things that some folk don't want us to talk about. This is where we will huddle around the campfire and tell stories of people that the textbooks forgot. Can you break that down a little bit? You've said a lot about um, it and you want to add. Just I could I I mean, I just break it down like I always in like the first episode I talked about, I think the first episode we did was Robert Smalls, the South Carolina enslaved man tried to buy his family's freedom, couldn't buy it and said, okay cool, I'm going to steal a Confederate boat and then we're going to sail to freedom. And in that episode, I just talk about how I went to high school in Charlotte, North Carolina, North Mecklenburg High School. And I remember distinctly my junior year. That's when in North Carolina, when everybody takes U.S. history. And I remember my teacher was the football coach. And I all we talked about was the Civil War, the Revolutionary War, and World War II. That's all we talked about in, how long is the school year for kids? Like 180 days. In 180 days, that's all we talked about. And so the and I think the important part about that is some the stuff that textbooks forgot because I feel like we talk about all of these things, talking about George Washington and his cherry tree. We talk about Thomas Jefferson, Manifest Destiny, yeah. the Louisiana Purchase, just Stuff, you know, these are stuff that's off the top of my head that I know they're learning about in school right now. 
We talk about that stuff because it's implied that this is the most important stuff. When in reality, there were all these black people, all these brown people, all these indigenous people, all these people from the LGBTQ plus community who were working in the background of all of these major events to make it happen for real, for yeah. real. Like those were the people that were making it happen. Yet the textbooks only go, but so far down, you know, like, so it's like, okay, you can read your textbook, but why don't you come over to the podcast after you're done reading it? So yeah. I can tell you, you know, the pages that they ripped out. Basically. Exactly. I love that. I love that. That's amazing. So I, you know, look, I, I want to say before we wrap that I'm definitely a follower. I really appreciate the education that you share, but I also appreciate your sense of humor, um, your acting and your relational skills. You know, you have this ability mm -hmm. to make us all feel like we're just hanging out with you. And that's, mm -hmm. I think that's an amazing skill. You know, for example, I found myself nodding and laughing at your review of The Woman King, you know, and, you know, ah. and, and there, are, there are so many more examples of that. Please share your social media handles so everybody knows where to find you. Very easy to find me. Blackout. Every single platform. Blackout with two Ks. B-L-A-C-K-K-O-U-T. And then two underscores. Every single platform. So tell us, tell us about the name Blackout. How'd you come up with that? It's a deep story and not a deep story at the same time. I made a Twitter account in like 2010 or 2011, okay. I think. And I wanted like a cool name, wanted an edgy name, wanted to be like a popular kid. And my last name is White, like the color, um, which people yeah. find so much irony in. <laughs> and so my name was Whiteout. That was my original like social media handle oh, wow, for like the first wow. like four or five months. And then I thought to myself, wow, that's pretty lame. And so I said, hmm, what, can, what, how, what, what can I do? What can, what, I want to be cool. Like, I, was, I was 16. What do 16 year olds want to do? I just want to be cool. <laughs> and so I said, okay, well, and, and growing up, like, you know, in the, in the locker room, in the thousands of locker rooms I've been in as an athlete, you know, just in school and whatnot, you know, whenever you're joining with somebody, you know, you know, going back and forth with your homeboy, the main, you know, insult to me is Andre, sh shut your black ass up. I don't need dark. Blah, blah, blah. That was the main thing. Like, you know, I, I'm a dark skin right. guy. Not, I love it. Right. I have great skin. Right. And so I said, okay, well, how about I own that? I'm going to, I'm going to own that. I, so I changed my oh, name man. to Blackout, which, and the only reason it doesn't have 1K is because somebody took the 1K. It's like, like an auto detailing really? business in like Texas or something. So that's where the 2Ks yeah. came from. And that's where Blackout came from. I made that with 2011. And here we are 11 years later. And it's, it turned from just a Twitter handle into kind of like that. It's kind of like people either call me Andre, Dre, or Blackout. Like my fraternity brothers love call me Dre or Blackout. Only, per only people who will not call me is like my mom, my dad, of course. But like, yeah. it's just become like, it's just become like, like a superhero name or something. Just like a, that's hey, my nickname. And I, yeah. Man, that's so dope. You don't even understand. I'm getting such a kick out of that. <laughs> yes. I love, yeah, the, I, I love, I love you know, taking ownership of it. I love that. Yeah, that, that was such a, you know, I, therapist, I always have to look at the mental health component, but that was yeah. such an emotional healthy thing for you to do at a young age to recognize how do I break through this barrier? I take ownership of it. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. just getting such a kick out of that. That's perfect. Thank you for sharing that story. That's a great no story. No um, would you say that your, your purpose for your blackout platforms is the same as, the, as a podcast or does it differ in any way? That's a good question. 
I think it's all one and the same. I I, I want to be, okay. I don't want to ever be somebody, I don't ever want to be a different person like on social media as to the podcast. What I will say is the thing that I really love and cherish about the podcast is that it is, like I said, I don't curse on the podcast only because I know it's little kids out there listening to me and I'm not, you know, I'm, I want to be, want to be a good, a good, a good uncle. But, um, I feel like the thing that I appreciate about the podcast the most is that I can really be myself for real. Like the things that I've run into, you could talk to any like, you know, black, you know, TikTok creator or Instagram creator or whatever. And it's just, you'll run into barriers where, you know, you feel like the platform might be suppressing you or, you know, you, you the algorithm this, algorithm that. And so I feel like on the podcast, mm-hmm. I don't have those issues. You know, people are going to come to the podcast to listen to what I have to say. It's not like you're just stumbling upon my video because of, excuse me, the For You page or whatnot. And so it can get very frustrating. I've gotten very frustrated in the last year and a half from different different times on TikTok and Instagram and whatnot because of like community guideline violations and oh, you, I'll make a rebuttal to a racist person and they'll tell me I'm bullying them. So you get the community guideline right. strike. And there are no, there are no community right. guideline strikes on my podcast. So it's still me. It is a hundred percent still me. You're going to get a different kind of side of me in a sense. Like you're, you're a hundred percent getting the voiceover, the voiceover Andre on the podcast, the storytelling Andre. I do bring like the storytelling and stuff to TikTok, but like you'll see the more like jovial, the laid back. Okay. Let's just make a video off the cuff, but everything on the podcast is that's the detailed me, the storyteller me, really the passionate me for real. Cause I'm I'm so much I'm very passionate about what I do like on the internet, but very much so more passionate about what I'm telling like on the podcast, just because it's like it's crafted from every every episode, every script is crafted by me from the ground up. So I think it's just more so you're getting the brutally authentic me. But family, uh, yeah, I hear what you're saying. No, I, I look, I get what you're saying about social media and how we are censored. And how you have to be so thoughtful in what you're putting out there. And yeah, in a podcast, you absolutely can be more your authentic self. So that, that makes sense to me. You know, you can just mm-hmm. relax and do you. That's great. That's great. So, you know, I, I alluded to the fact that your review of The Woman King was so, was just so spot on and so great. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a powerful movie. I agree with you. And there are so many hot topics right now that I could yeah. ask you about. And so because there are so many things I can ask you about, to wrap up, I want you to decide the final share before we end the, the show and have you promise to come back next year to let us know everything you've gotten into and everything you're doing. Because I know there's so much uh, ahead for you that's going to be incredible. I, what's on your mind most? What's, what's the thing most pressing that you think people should know before we wrap? That is a good question. I'm actually, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm looking at my TikTok right now to see what I've talked about recently. Really? If you ever want to know, what is Andre thinking about in the world right now? Just go to my TikTok page because literally. I agree. Um, well, Andre, for real though, for real. See, that's what, that's what I'm saying though. Because like, you know, before yeah. a guest comes on, I, I love getting the voices, the new voices out there. Like that's my thing. And and yeah. if not new voices, powerful voices that haven't, you know, maybe my audience hasn't seen. And so mm-hmm. I went through your TikTok. I was like, oh my God, there's so many things I want to share, but there's too yeah, many. It, so I'm going to let you yeah. choose. So, and so, yeah, my TikTok is really just, it's a brain dump of me, but probably what's been on my mind this summer, uh, for the most part, and it's kind of a whole bunch of things at once, but of course they all tie back to the same thing. Um, sure. 
is just like, and this is always on my mind. So if you ask me this next month, I'll probably say the same thing. But um, okay, I think that we need to pay. I think we need to pay attention to, or be more mindful and cognizant and pay attention to not only the stories that we're telling, but how can we tell these same stories and apply nuance to them? Like I've just been like, like for instance, you know, we're talking about the Woman King, and a lot of people had you know issues with you know that movie because of the slave trade that the the Africans took place in and whatnot. But, you know, I, you know, went and did my research and whatnot and learned that there's a lot of nuance to those situations. And I've actually got a lot of pushback on social media, on TikTok specifically, whenever I talk about like the transatlantic slave trade and like, you know, white Jimbos from like Nebraska will get it. Well, <laughs> you know, when black people traded their slaves too. And okay, tell me more. Well, tell me what book you got that from and we can read it together. And one of my brothers got so mad at me the other day. Kid you not, because he says I overuse the word nuance. And I said, okay, so what? And I'm going to keep using it. What you go, you're not going <laughs> to fight me. And so just, you know, and, and there's so many different stories. We can talk about the Woman King, the Jeffrey Dahmer thing that, you know, dropped last week um, that I unfortunately watched. And yeah, yeah. Uh, like when we, and, and even we, we go down to the small, small, minute things that are happening, like on a society level, we talk about like, the black brown people that are, you know, killed by the police and, you know, like Jalen Walker in Akron, Ohio, who was killed over the summer. And people want to talk so much about like, OK, well, did he have a gun? Did he not have a gun? Blah, blah, blah. blah. But does does it matter? Like, did, did it do, does it right. matter? Do those people deserve to be shot 60 times by eight different officers? Right. No, like I just so like my goal and just the thing that's always on my mind is how can we tell these stories of these people? And what's happening around us while applying so much nuance and whatnot to them. And you can apply all of that to stories that we even, you know, already think that we know. Like I've been, I found myself yeah. talking so much about Emmett Till over the last, you know, month yeah. and some chain. Um, lead, you know, one from the anniversary of his death on August 26th to now. I just did a podcast episode on him and just making a lot of video content on him and just finding that there's, I thought I knew the whole story, but there's just so right. many layers and things. So yeah, that's just what's on my mind. Just encouraging people to just take what you think you know and what you don't know and find the surface and then peel back the layers. And when you think you peel them back, it. you're wrong because there's more to peel back and there's more to understand why and how things are happening around us. I love that. I love that. That was perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Listen, Andre, I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'm a fan of yours. Thank you so much for coming on. I so appreciate no and enjoy what you're about, brother. You know, you you are the future. And you, these, these content creators that I bring on here, you give me hope. And, and I've been short on hope for a very long time. So bless you for I that. Seriously, it. I appreciate, I appreciate it. Yeah, and I'm super, super, so, super uh, down to come back next year as well. Like, I remember, I didn't answer that question. You know, I'm I was down, about to, down to come back next year. I was about to come back. Yeah. <laughs> right on, right on. Thank you so much. Really, I appreciate mm. you. Have a good one. Take care. I appreciate it. Thank you. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and follow wherever you get your podcasts. And also, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Thank you for listening to Change the Narrative with J.D. Fuller.